Hello and welcome to Inside Retail, the podcast brought to you by Edited, the world's leader in retail intelligence. In this podcast series, we explore both the opportunities and the challenges the retail industry is facing with myself, Grace Hill, Edited's Director of Retail Strategy. As we stand at the beginning of the year, 2023 promises to be another standout year for activewear. The cricket, rugby and FIFA Women's World Cups all kick off this year and sportswear retailers will need data more than ever if they hope to make an impact with fans across the world. On top of that, we're still emerging from a long pandemic where casualization has become more prevalent within the workplace. There's a lot at stake with the athleisure market estimated to be worth $662 billion by 2023, according to Bloomberg. That's why today we're joined by Colette Hilton, Head of Retail and Ecom for UKNI at Puma Group, and Georgia Swan, Senior Account Manager here at Edited. We spoke about how Colette and Puma Group as a whole is using Edited's data to make more informed decisions around how they are winning within the retail and active web market. We really enjoyed speaking to Colette and we hope that you do too. Colette, how, how are you doing? I'm extremely well, thank you very much. Looking forward to some of the questions you guys have to fire at me. So we've prepared some icebreakers, as I mentioned, just to get us going. Um, we actually do this internally too, and we call them polar bear <laughs> icebreakers <laughs> to stay true to our roots. Um, but it's also kind of a version of our Vogue 73 questions. So, Colette, what is the first thing that you do when you get to the office? So I actually have a routine and I do it every single day without fail. I get into my office and the first thing I do is clear my desk. Literally, I clear it, clear desk, clear mind. Then I head on into the kitchen and make myself the strongest coffee possible because I am also fueled by caffeine. And then I literally refresh my forecasting files every day just to see how we're trading. Sometimes you might even catch me doing that on a Sunday too. Apart from not in the office, sat in my kitchen. What metric would your co-workers say that you are obsessed with? It would be conversion. So I think at least <laughs> two to three times a day, I talk about conversion uh, to everybody, regardless of their function. It's all about conversion. And I think, I think in 18 months ago, it was all about sell through, sell through, sell through. And now it's all about conversion for me. And out of curiosity, why? Why has it gone from sell through to conversion in your mind? Yeah, my my career has shifted, right, quite significantly. And it was all about merchandising and product. And now it's all about, right, e-com conversion. And actually not just in e-com. So I also take care of the stores. So, you know, every day in every channel, it's for me, it's all about conversion. It's also, I think, the most interesting metric too, because there's so many different ways to, to affect it. Well, we will get into that. I'm really excited to talk more about it. Um, Georgia had mentioned that that was probably something that was going to come up. And if you could get any athlete or personality to be a Puma ambassador, who would it be? That's a really tough question because I think we already have quite a few of my favorite um, athletes and ambassadors. So I'm a huge Hamilton fan. Maybe controversial, uh, but I love Lewis. I think he is such a cool athlete. He looks good. He's <laughs> super motivational and I feel like he's super humble. So Lewis Hamilton, but if I was to choose anyone that we don't have, to be honest, it's got to be Beyonce because I'm all about some female empowerment. She says it as it is and she's fierce, isn't she? she she's fearless. Amazing choice. And could you describe Puma in three words? So our mantra is obviously forever faster. So I would stick to that. And I believe we are a fast brand across anything that we do. 
fast in our products, fast in our development. And, you know, we want to be the fastest sports brand. Um, so I would definitely say fast. I'd say agile. I think we are super agile as a company um, and quite dynamic when it comes to, yeah, new, new things like sustainability, bringing new products to market and also, you know, expanding on how we market these products. Amazing. And what is your favorite Puma product? I have so many, actually. Um, but if I was to narrow it down, um, I'm going to take you back to the era when we had Fenty, uh, when we had Brianna. Mm-hmm. Um, so she brought the creeper to the market, which paved the way for the kind of platform trend. However, it wasn't that product that was my favorite product. It should be because it delivered a lot of revenue for the company. But <laughs> she actually came to our head office and she picked out one product and it was uh, called the Esquiva. So it's a really old school retro boxing shoe. And that is my favorite ever product. Um, and I actually purchased three pairs and I'm literally on my last pair now. So in five years, I've gone through three Esquivas. And our final one, what is the edited tool that you can't live without? Honestly, I like dynamic view (laughs) because I'm all about, you know, what's trading in my business. And that gives the fastest, it's the fast view to say, oh, great. These products are working. These ones, you need to speed up sales. I I use it every day. So I definitely think, think it's that one. My team would say something different, but personally, and honestly, that's the one I use most frequently. So to kick us off, Colette, um, we'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your background and the industry, how you came to work at Puma and more about your role as head of retail and e-com for UK and I. Yeah, so I guess I can tell you where it all started. So I've always been into retail. You know, when I first got my national insurance card when I was 16 years old, I went straight into retail. I started working at a children's wear store actually called Adams. And I started off as just a sales associate on a Sunday earning my £3.50 an hour. And I was happy. But actually, I loved working there. I loved engaging with the consumers. I loved merchandising the product. I think at 16 years old, I was completely tearing up the displays and the windows to do something cool and new. So (laughs) if my love started for resale, it is my Sunday job. And Quite quickly, I progressed within that company and I was actually running the store at the weekend, which was fab. And then I was like, this is what I want to do. You know, this is what I love. I enjoy it. And I did. So I studied at university fashion buying because my interest was all about the product and understanding what the consumers wanted. And then I got my first role at Ralph Lauren. So the, the luxury brand, which was fantastic. I was the real life Rachel Green. I started as an assistant buyer. And so I was more specialized in their outlet division, which was super fast growing at the time. I was lucky enough to work with such an extraordinary group of people. And my manager, actually, she took the leave and went to Puma. And I think having been at Puma for about two months, she got on the phone and said, Colette, you have to come here. This is so you. And I took a leap of faith. I left a job that I absolutely loved. Um, I loved working in the luxury industry. I loved the clothing, the products, you know, I was going to work in suits and ties. I was so engrossed in that kind of environment. And then I went to Puma and I think it was probably the most significant decision that I've ever made because I absolutely loved it. I changed from luxury to sports and having a passion in sports myself, I play women's football. I loved it. It was a completely different environment and I love the brand and what the brand stood for. And I started 
as an assistant buyer and I worked my way through various positions of the merchandising team. Got myself involved in everything from content to marketing. Always have that passion for merchandising, don't get me wrong. I'm probably a buyer through and through. Um, but it's just having the full omni approach, you know, from whether a customer's shopping on the website or on the mobile to walking into an outlet. It's all about creating the right environment and the right experience for the consumer. Well, what a responsibility and the passion that you have for your job and for Puma is infectious. Why or how are you making that experience consistent from stores all the way through to e-commerce and the app? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that I did as soon as I, I built this team here is I created an aligned goal. So regardless of what, you know, what channel, when I say channel, um, I mean, if outlet stores, full price stores or e-com, we had one aligned goal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our mission as a team is to create the best in class experience for the brand uh, whilst maximizing customer experience. So with one consistent goal across all of the channels, it's been quite simple to, you know, put the steps together to achieve the ultimate goal. And the team are all in board. I think we have a fantastic group of people here. And with that aligned goal, it makes everything easier because we're all driving towards the same direction. So what do you view and what does Puma view as the biggest challenge um, that the business is anticipating for 2023? Yeah, I think the the global brands um, and the local market being the UK, I think we're we're super aligned. I think it's probably the most obvious challenge that any retailer in our industry is going to be facing, and that's the economic outlook. And of course, it brings a lot of uncertainty to our market in terms of, you know, how trade could potentially be. You know, we've seen inflation at an all time high that, you know, that is going to and further going to affect how the consumer's behaving and spending as we go into 2023. I mean, we only have to look at our own energy bills. You know, prices are soaring for our consumers, but also for us as brands, right? We're also seeing significant FOB increases. So it's all about how we manage that. Absolutely. And it sounds like you guys have obviously put a huge amount of thought into 2023 and how the kind of consumer is evolving and the impact that the market is having on the business. So it would be amazing for you to tell us a little bit more about those strategies that you're planning to put in place to really kind of weather that storm. Yeah, sure. So I think, yeah, the first one is my favorite buzzword, guys, conversion. So I think in... (laughs) In previous years, we've really focused on driving growth to the website. So really focusing on driving traffic. And of course, we're seeing an increase in cost per click at the moment. It's costing more money to bring consumers to the site. So rather than focusing on that traffic growth, that's now where we're looking at how to optimize conversion. Mm -hmm. So implementing conversion driving strategies on site, because that will be much more of an effective way for us to convert consumers rather than just purely focusing on, on traffic. We will look to protect and maintain margin on the website. So we have to be super cautious when it comes to pricing. We'll look to optimize demand on site and be smarter when it comes Mm -hmm. to promoting products. So it's not going to be a one fits all approach. We will need to take a deep dive into categories. We want to run a promotion. We'll look at slow categories, categories with high stock rather than just blanket promotions that you've seen us and other retailers do. In line with that, it's going to be all about increasing the average order value. So increasing that basket size, because it doesn't just deliver higher revenues, but it also saves on a lot of operational costs in the back end of our business. 
I think the final and the most important one is is increasing the amount of returning customers we have shopping on our website. So I think it's becoming a buzzword of 2023. It's customer lifetime value. Yeah. So it's really increasing the, the brand loyalty and the repeat purchases. So could you give us an example, Colette, of those things that you've spoken about? So maybe starting with conversion and a strategy on how you are really trying to you know, convert that traffic that you have driven to the site. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's, this is a perfect question because Edited is playing currently and will play a crucial role into helping us <laughs> increase those on-site conversions. Um, so I think one of our favorite functionalities of Edited right now is helping us increase conversion. We daily now are looking at the opportunity trees and we're already seeing significant uplifts in conversion by utilizing these edited tools. So one of the things we are doing is looking at those products with high conversions, but low views. And daily, we are optimizing on-site merchandising by using this segment of edited. And we've seen up to three times uplift in conversion when taking these actions. Wow. Wow. Have you got like a specific example of a franchise or, you know, a product where you have seen that kind of three times um, increase that you were, were talking about? We have this new product on the website. It's women's training wear, actually. And Amazing. it's an updated version <laughs> of Seamless. So, you know, pretty much like yoga, yoga wear for women. We read one of the analyst reports from Market Intelligence and we thought, okay, <laughs> What can we do now? What can we do in our business to, you know, use this information? So we looked on dynamic action. We looked at the category for gymwear and we thought, right, these products have really low views, high conversion. Let's go and put them at the top of our women's training category. We optimized bestseller category and we brought it, we pinned it to the top of two to three different categories. And that's when we saw the conversion. Over a two-week period, there was a significant uplift. Wow. And of course, when conversion increases, your instant revenue increase. That's just one example um, from from actually just before Black Friday. And what kind of impact would that be just like in, from a revenue perspective? Like, are we talking thousands, tens of thousands? Like, what would that mean to your business? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at like a 15 to 20% revenue uplift from taking these actions. Wow, that's amazing. You know, and, and as the data is is nearly real time, you really get to make quick, quick decisions mm-hmm. rather than waiting sometimes 24, even sometimes 48 hours for data up to date. It's, it's there and it's instant. And I guess from our team's perspective and just really understanding like what, you know, what would, why would those products historically have been further down the page? Like why... Like what would have driven them to be there? Like what was the process in place before that would have meant that they were lower down? Yeah, sure. So we have, I think as of today, this morning, about 6,000 options live on the website. So that's a lot of products to be managing. Our website runs off an algorithm. So the algorithm would dictate what you guys would see. Um, And yeah, the algorithm wasn't bringing these products to the top. And by manually pinning these products giving them exposure, giving them visibility, that led to the conversion. You know, if there's demand there and customers can find it, they will purchase it. Absolutely. So 
I want to move to the the next strategy that you you spoke about, which was optimizing margin, I believe, and average order value. Could you could you tell us more about that and what you guys are doing within the business? Yeah, of course. So I guess the reason for that was a lot of cost price increases across the supply chain. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I think us and our competitors are lifting their prices. And mm-hmm. what we will need to do is understand how these new price points are resonating with our consumer. Maintaining a healthy margin isn't just about reducing prices, but I think if we can manage our inventory better by taking small actions throughout the season, we do believe that will help us manage our inventory better. And the healthier the inventory is across the the seasons, the less actions you need to take to clear stock quickly. So I think this is is definitely linked to maintaining margin and being as profitable as possible. Um, There is fantastic functions of edited actually which highlight where you have high inventory levels and you know it's not necessarily waiting to mid-season sale or end of season sale and it's really highlighting what you need to do and when you need to do it and I think that's one of the advantages of edited actually. And are the team looking at that daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly like how are they reviewing you know those signals internally? Yeah, so I think historically, we would be looking at them weekly as part of our Monday trade. We'd be looking at them monthly in terms of our monthly recaps. And of course, every lessons learned is every season. So they would they would review it quite frequently. But I think now with it being built into the dashboard, they it allows them to not need to pull data and cubes. It's already there telling them, if you want to improve sales, this is what you need to do and this is what action you need to take. So it stops the buildup of stock at the end of the season and it helps you maintain a healthier inventory level. It's that action piece, right, as well. It's not like, here's all the data and now you have to analyze it all and then come up with your own strategy. It's like, this is what you can do to instantly kind of take that action to move forward. Yeah, exactly. I think that was probably the biggest ah moment when we took edited. It was the team can actually now spend so much more time analyzing data. You know, I think previously it would take, it could take up to hours just to build and pull, you know, the data cubes that you need because you need several different resources. I think that's been the most significant win is that the team actually just get a chance to do their job now. Analyze, action, review, not build, analyze, action, review. So it's, it's, it's made our team incredibly efficient. I didn't think it was ever possible to speed up Monday trade um, until we actually launched Edited. So yeah, instead of trade being at four o'clock with little time to take actions after that meeting, we've been able to utilize the Edited dashboard so we can now have trade meetings at two o'clock, meaning we've got four hours to implement any changes that we need to make to business. And just to ask, within those meetings, now that they're happening earlier, has the data and the insights transformed the way that you're discussing trade within those meetings as well, the actual format and the actual conversations that you're having? What we present in trade has completely changed. So we've removed those tired Power BIs and those tired Excel documents, and we've just re- simply replaced them with edited dashboards that my team together with your team have helped build and develop. So click of a button and your data's there. It's completely changed the format in which we we run trade. Also, the content has significantly changed. So rather than having an hour reviewing, okay, this is what happened uh, last week, 
Now it's okay, half of trade. That's what happened last week. These were the key lessons learned. And now I'm going to go and take these actions because this is what we need to do. So it's not just mm-hmm. that's what happened last week. It's that's what happened. This is what we need to do. And now we're going to go and do it. So it's, it's completely changed the meeting. What do you think were the most critical blind spots that Edited's been able to bring to the surface for your team in particular being so lean, but also for the wider business? I think one of the biggest blind spots we had originally, it was all all of my teams were using different different sources of data for analysis. And that started to become really inconsistent. So I'd have one team using GA360 software, one person would be using the ERP system and another person would be using P- like Power BI, for example. And you'd be surprised how inconsistent the data was and how the data told different stories. And I think for the first time, most of the functions under me have adopted edited, which means that we're finally all looking at the same data in the same way. So it's an allowing us to be much more consistent, you know, with the lessons learned and the message that we're giving our myself or the senior leadership team. So it's, it's one system, one set of data for all teams. And I do believe that was one of the blind spots, everyone looking at different things in different ways. So Colette, on that point, I guess that's a really amazing opportunity to be like, could you give us an example of maybe what you'd have done previously with just market intelligence and what the value and result of that would have been versus now, how you can now see that translated within your business, having the enterprise intelligence and how that can kind of connect the dots? I can instantly think of a couple of scenarios. So back in Europe, when I was using it, I, I, I'm i going to take Black Friday as an example. So I would go and review what the brands are doing in terms of their landing pages, what promotions they were offering. Um, and that's what I would do. And then I would deliver this information to the merchandising team. And they would simply just see if we're aligned with the market, are we too deep, are we not aggressive enough? And the key piece was doing a lessons learned after Black Friday to look at what we could have done better. And that's what we did. We took a completely different approach this time. So this was the first Black Friday we've had both. So what we did, we pulled the review on the previous Black Friday. So we already had a heads up in terms of what competitors did last year. We could also take a quick snapshot of what competitors did yesterday. And then what we did, and this was the one step further, and this was the bit that really added the value is we built a promotional dashboard to keep track of our Black Friday promotions on a category conversion level. We had the insights of what our competitors were doing in that day, but we also had insights to how we was performing versus our own plan. And throughout Black Friday, we made two to three significant changes to the products we were pushing in the homepage, the products we were pushing on email. um, And we did have our most successful Black Friday ever, which is really impressive when you look at the economy as it is today. So by looking at what customers were looking for, looking at the key hot price points, we was able to further grow and we completely exceeded our expectation. Amazing. Well, Georgia, I think that's an amazing place to to end. I don't know, Georgia, if you have anything else that you want to add. No, I don't. I mean, everything mm-hmm. you said has been so valuable and so insightful and interesting. So thank you, Colette. Oh, no problem. It's It's been great, actually. It's been good. It's been a nice conversation. And it's nice to share the wins that we're having. We so frequently think about everything that's not going right. But actually, it's nice to talk about the wins and implementing something new in our business. So it's been great. Thank you very much for having me. 
Thank you for listening to our latest episode of Edited Inside Retail. And huge thanks to today's guest, Colette Hilton, Head of Retail and Ecom for UKNI at Puma. I'm Grace Hill, and I'll see you next time.